Welcome back to our podcast called Depression, a Dark and Lonely Place. Today we will be in our fourth sessions and hope this is valuable to you and hope our other um, resources at parkhillschurch.com are helpful to you. Depression, a dark and lonely place. Uh, today will be our fourth session. This is Mark Balmer and, and Pete McClanathan. And uh, today we're going to shift a little bit more toward um, the, the practical side of it. We've been talking a lot about what it is and trying to understand some of the dynamics of it. But we're going to try to get practical today and talk about what we need to do to work toward... Um, a solution toward climbing out and, and talk about some of the elements that would be necessary to that. That's good, Mark. Um, I think I want to be sure that there's something that didn't get lost in the last several times we've had together. And that is, there is hope. There is hope. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be easy, it may not be quick, and it may not be complete, but there are things that can be done. Good, yeah. One of those things um, is the, the medical side of it, and, and that's kind of a broad term, isn't it? I and mean, when we talk about the medical side of, of getting treatment for depression, that includes a, a number of different things, doesn't it? Yeah, might be even better to call it the professional side. Sure. Because yeah. we were talking here with... Um, about doctors, psychiatrists, uh, counselors, and counselors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, I first want to talk about, you know, whatever resistance you may have toward seeking professional help, uh, you may want to go back and say, what is that from? Is, is that based upon sort of a, a stigma in your own mind of, you know, it's maybe a pride issue there. I don't want to ask for help. Or maybe you have somewhere in your background someone saying a good Christian shouldn't need professional help or need medication or something like that that may be causing you to resist that. And the result is you're struggling along in a way that maybe you wouldn't have to if you sought the right help. You just nailed one of the biggest problems that I think this whole issue has, and that is giving ourselves permission to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got to say honestly that I think the response of the Church of Christ um, over the last oh many decades has been very slow to catch up with the knowledge that um, the professional world is starting to gather with depression. We're starting to hear now pastors, many pastors, say just what we're saying, um, get help. But, you know, as I, as I look at sermons on YouTube, for example, or on websites from 20, 30 or more years ago, these are good pastors I'm referring to. They refer to depression as a form of discouragement. And discouragement is something that the Bible says we don't need to deal with. So let's kick ourselves 
kickstart ourselves and let's get rid of our discouragement. I hope that over the last uh, three episodes, we've made it clear that depression can have a lot of aspects of discouragement, but itself, it's, it's, it's a different animal, completely yeah. different animal. And I, I respect these pastors. I, I don't think they'd probably preach the same way right now. But there were thoughts about that, that what's wrong with me? And then we start to think the really dark thoughts of, does God really know me? Do I really know him? Have I pleased him? What's wrong with my relationship with the Lord? And why am I going through this? And those are questions that I hope we've been addressing fairly well over the last few months or minutes. Yeah, and I, I would say that, you know, if you are a person that has been sort of under that kind of teaching and that kind of um, even oppressive ideas, take take a breath and, and know it's okay to have issues that you need professional help with. Just like if you were physically sick and, and needed help or you had some injury, you need help. It's okay to, to ask for that help. And none of us are perfect. And it's not a sign of defeat. Yeah. That's important. I'm a defeated Christian or I'm a defeated human being. That is not the case. Yeah. In fact, in some ways, I think that people who struggle through depression have a understanding of life just by necessity. You come up with an understanding of life that other people haven't had the privilege, if you can call it that, the privilege of experiencing. Sure. So let's talk about the various types of professional help that are out there and, and the benefits of those and even some of the th maybe things to be cautious about in, in, in some of those arenas. Yeah, let's start first with um, the medical branch of professional help. And again, um, we have to deal with that stigma. We have to deal with the thought of, am I giving in to um, the discouragement that um, Satan is trying to place on me? Um, you know, those things can be dealt with in good pastoral counseling. But on the medical end, um, we very much need to understand that this is a chemical issue in the brain. And chemical issues in the brain respond <laughs> to uh, people who can prescribe medications or different behavioral techniques that can help deal with that imbalance in the brain. The first place to go, I think, I would say would be your family doctor. Uh, and the reason is that there are so many different places one can go. We can go to um, different counselors, different styles of counselors. We can go to uh, different spiritual counselors. We can go to uh, different types of medical um, branches. Um, finding your way, navigating your way through all of that is not going to happen at one time. And I think the, it's like a road map. Your primary physician can help carve a road map as to where you need to go and who you need to talk to. 
and get you even those referrals or whatever that, that may be necessary along the way. I think one of the cautions that we need to give along that way, especially in the realm of the medical help, is to recognize that uh, it may not be a first try is a success kind of situation. And uh, just to, for that doctor to know what exactly you need, the first round is, not, is just an unreasonable expectation. There may be some experimental things. And I think for a depressive person, for that first round to not work or make things worse, there can be this I give up kind of mindset or this doesn't work or it's another reason to dislike yourself. And I think it's very important to know with just all the different types of medi- medicines that are out there, it, you know, finding that fir- right one the first try is, is uh, probably unlikely. And so it requires some patience. We've grown up in a uh, medical culture, which has grown itself by leaps and bounds over the last number of decades. But we all remember what is called the, uh, the germ theory of medicine, and I mean, it's a valid theory. And that is, if there's something wrong with you, look for whatever virus or bacteria might be affecting you. And if we can identify that, we can give you a medication which will knock it out. Uh, if we try to apply that model to depression, we're going to miss the mark. Sure. Yeah. Because depression is complex. Every situation is different. Every individual is different. The timing is different. There are dozens and dozens of depression medication or anxiety and depression medication out there. I mean, there's a lot of them. And I'm going to just say most of them are probably very good. But finding the right one for you may take some time, may take um, some struggle. In fact, oftentimes what will happen is the, um, the medical person, the physician or the psychiatrist, will begin to layer different uh, medications if you're not responding completely to the first one. And also understand that it's t- it takes four to eight weeks usually for those to fully um, become part of your system and your body to adjust to them before you'll even know what kind of effect you're receiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and to, <laughs> to be in a position where you want that help and you want the change and to wait is hard. And then it gets really d- discouraging if, if, that, if that first round <laughs> doesn't help. And Depression hurts, yeah. let's face it. I yeah. mean, it, there's no way around it. It's very painful. It can be debilitating, and when you're hurting, <laughs> you want relief. Yeah. So seeking the professional help is important. And again, I think good referrals are important, making sure that we um, are get, seeing some reviews on, on these different professional people along the way and obviously praying through that. And it, there's another leg of the stool here, if you will, of, of caring for, for ourselves and climbing out, and, and uh, that would be around the realm of self-care. And self-care, I've, I've heard the phrase self-care is not selfish, and I, I do like that. Um, I think when we think of the Bible, we think of Christ, we think of anything, we don't want to do anything, we put ourselves to the forefront at all, so we're, we're cautious of even the idea of self-care because we don't want to come across like we're thinking only about ourselves, and there's obviously a, a line there we don't want to cross, 
But when we're not doing well, self-care is important and we can't be much good to other people if we're struggling ourselves. So there is a point when we need to take care of ourselves. We do. Um, and for every person, it's going to be different. Uh, there are practical things that um, come under the heading of self-care, you know, uh, chores around the home or responsibilities um, for managing money or maybe just working through the practicalities of life. Some of those things are very difficult to do when you're depressed and, and yet you try to plow through them. Maybe it's a good idea to have somebody try to help you plow through them. But the point we want to understand is Taking care of yourself gives your medication, gives your counseling a place, uh, a more fertile place to grow. It's not going to be an immediate answer, but it'll slowly bring back health to you. Um, take care of yourself. Um, take yourself less seriously. I've found that that probably is the biggest self-care thing that has helped me. I am a perfectionist. I uh, was raised to be a perfectionist, and I kind of wish I'd never been a perfectionist. But once you are there, you you measure life by how well you've done, how your performance has been. You measure yourself um, by your job, by your friends, by your um, feeling of how you have met the important issues of your life. And of course that takes you right into, is God pleased with me? Mm -hmm. And as we're going to see here, uh, as we go forward today and next time, that issue is a false issue. If there is unconfessed sin in your life, that's going to need to be dealt with before the Lord and maybe with some pastoral help. But that is not a reason why you're dealing with depression. And perfectionism you know, leads to the other subject of your expectations. And you said it before, it's a slow process. And, and so one of the expectations that can cause problems is the expectations of how quick this is going to be fixed. Or if you're going, I'm, I'm seeing a, a medical doctor about this or a psychiatrist about this. I'm, I'm just going to a counselor and we've got all these things and, Things aren't changing quick enough or whatever. And so those expectations, um, if they're set too high, can be very discouraging. And especially if you have that perfectionist tendency or, or, or just good old impatience, add to that also our expectations of others. If we are, our expectation, expectations of others are too high, that also can cause problems. So we're not caring for ourselves by having those expectations of are those demands upon ourselves and those demands on others. And so we end up being more frustrated. Exactly, Mark. And, you know, I one of the um, word pictures that I use to describe depression, um, there are several, but it, it's like swimming through a very muddy river um, because there are things all around you. There's this darkness that's, keeping you from dealing with life. So when you're swimming through that river, the best thing you want to do is to get to the shore away from the, uh, the mud, away from the, the stream. I'm going to say that 
that is a good goal, but it'll often short circuit what really needs to be done, and that is that you move through this river, however long it might be, to bring real health and real um, recovery to you and place you in a spot where the Lord can work through you better than he has been. So what's the point? The point is there is hope. It may not come as quickly or as strongly as we'd like, but there is hope if we keep um, dealing with, with the things as we swim through this river. If we keep looking for places, um, I'm going to call them just places of comfort, whether it's a little island in the river or a momentary visit to the shore. Uh, those of you who have struggled with depression will understand this word picture. Um, those of you who haven't, just bear with me because I'm trying to point out that there is struggle, but there's also hope. That's good. You know, I, the, you know, you use that image of coming to an island or to the shore for a moment, this reprieve. And I think to remember that this is a one step at a time deal. This is not instantaneous fix. And also, as hard as it is when you're in a depressive state, do your best to celebrate whatever good things come up. And whether you know, today was just a little better than yesterday, or maybe you didn't react as negatively to something that would normally be something that would, you know, cause you to spiral or whatever. Those are moments to, to give yourself that pat on the back or to thank God and, and to, and to just try to find something, you know, to celebrate in the middle of that, even though you may not have reached those goals of ultimately getting through it, you, you've, You've had a, a moment of reprieve. You've had a moment to say, oh, you know, that's better than it's been. And you allow yourself, just allowing yourself to celebrate, to feel joy is a part of the healing process. Because we, we go through so many stresses in life. Um, some of us may appear to have life pretty well figured out, but underneath um, we're still dealing with our own issues and many of us never get beyond those issues taught things about like trauma or grief or um, fear or loss as we get those things stirring up in our minds which is going to happen if you're in counseling and that's actually pretty healthy um, we have to understand that those things are not going to cripple us forever. That's good. I think that that speaks to what you were talking about too, of, of, you know, sort of swimming through that muddy river. You know, we want to get to the other side so quickly, but to short circuit that and not address some of those issues that need to be addressed with, that hopefully a good um, a pastor or a counselor can help point out that maybe we just need to go through and wrestle those. And that, as hard as that is in the, in the muddy water is there, there's, there's value in that time of doing it and, um, and knowing, okay, it's going to be okay. I'm going to have to dig through this a little bit, face some things and, and deal with some things, but then I get to move forward. And at all times we have to recognize that one of our biggest enemies is 
a feeling of worthlessness, a feeling of failure. Um, I The feeling would go something like this. I don't know what's happened to me, but I know I must have stepped off the train of life wherever it was taking me. I, I must have stepped off too many times, and now I'm lost in this jungle or this muddy river, and there's not going to be another train to pick me up. Uh, those are lies. We might have gotten there through uh, many many different ways, many different traumas or griefs or losses or whatever. Um, don't forget the uh, issue of unconfessed sin because that mm-hmm. can cause us to be guilty and that can cause us to feel shame. And those are ripe areas for depression to grow. Pete, I know you like Psalm 56 and uh, just that Psalm of David, you know, when the Philistines seize him. And uh, let me read those and, and share with us, if you would, you know, what that means to you in light of um, just looking at this godly man, David. Psalm 56, verse 1. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long. For many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? That's a great passage. And uh, as we discuss it, I do want to put out that red flag that you've heard many times and will continue to hear, and that is Scripture has to be applied wisely and lovingly. That's the type of scripture that can be misused. Can be weaponized. Absolutely. And there are, there are dozens, hundreds of them in the Bible that can be used to try to say, your problem is because of some failure in you. Um, you look at the book of Job. That's what that book of Job is all about, is the fallacy of what Job's friends were saying. There must be something in your life that God is not pleased with. If we can get past that and understand that for whatever reason God is taking me through this, you know, the feelings that uh, David expresses in Psalm 56 are not unlike serious depression when he talks about fear, when he talks about uh, defending himself from attackers. You know, for the depressive, it can be like Every moment of your life, your mind is under attack. But the good news that we see here, and in some of the other scriptures which we'll deal with next time, is that we do have a man of God here. Um, Yes, he had his flaws and he had his bad moments, but we have a man who, throughout the scriptures that deal with him, he is confessing trust in the Lord. He is confessing hope in the Lord. He's confessing forgiveness or the need for forgiveness. And because of that, even in the dark moments, he has a place to go. And he's rejoicing over that place to go. I mean, it's that, that phrase, 
when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. Yeah. That can be Sunday school talk, as I like to say, just simply superficial and naive. But at, at the end of the day, that is the core of life. I trust in you, Lord. Yeah, even in real fear. David's got real fear there. Yeah, the whole Philistine army has taken him over. Yep. In that moment, I will trust in you. And we'll try to develop this a little more next time. But we need to understand that, yes, we go to medical professionals. Yes, we go to counseling professionals. And um, we can receive help from them and should. Um, but at the end of the whole process, where God is taking us, I like to go to Romans 12, where we're told that true worship is allowing God to conform our hearts to his image and allowing his spirit to work in our lives. Um, that is the goal that God has for each one of us as believers in Christ, to conform us to his image. And our whole lifetime is a journey, our whole lifetime in Christ is a journey of having challenges to that, having encouragements to that, having successes. But at the end of our lives, we want to be able to say, Lord, thank you for the the struggles you gave me because they put me in a place where I could no longer feel comfortable in the world and I had to turn to you. 